Welcome to See You on the Other Side, where the world of the mysterious collides with the world of entertainment. A discussion of art, music, movies, spirituality, the weird, and self-discovery. And now, your hosts, musicians and entertainers who have their own weakness for the weird, Mike and Wendy from the band Sunspot. It's Monday already. Where did the weekend go? I don't know where it went, but I know it went fast. Yes, it did go fast. And uh, hope everybody out there had an awesome weekend. We started it out pretty good with a, um, a live radio performance. That was so fun. Right here in Madison at one of the local, uh, I guess it's a community station, W-O-R-T. Community radio station. It's our, it's our local hippie radio hangout. And it's a lot of fun. And so we got to play in a room with like maybe, it was like must have been at least 10,000 vinyl records. Yeah, and we did get some video, so we'll post some of that eventually and share with you. But it was a fun time, a neat kind of experience, different from the typical Friday night show. Yeah, we got to talk about a couple of haunted stories about places we're playing. We got to tell our story about uh, getting our Scott Bakula song played on the set of Enterprise. And you got to talk about the podcast a lot, too. So it's always fun to meet people and then and talk about like the Murder Castle. Like somebody had requested we play our song that we wrote for this podcast, The Murder Castle. And so we got to explain our whole H.H. Holmes connection and stuff. And Wendy, speaking of the Murder Castle. Yes. You were down near the Windy City. You're set, now, the Murder Castle is based on H.H. H. Holmes, a devil in the White City, a serial killer in Chicago in the late 19th century. And Wendy was down there with all the H.H. H. Holmes fans this weekend. Where were you? <laughs> yeah, actually, I was in Woodstock, Illinois, for the Dead of Winter event, which was run by the same woman who coordinates the Chicago Ghost Conference that we attended in October. Yes, Chicago the, Haunting. Yeah, Chicago Hauntings, that's right. And so they had the theme for this one was mediums. So they had a a lot of uh, psychic empaths and mediums there that were doing readings uh, throughout the day. And then they had different presenters. Did anybody say like, didn't we like, like try to like pull some medium stuff on you? Like, oh, who's that behind you? And you're like, what? And you look behind you like, oh, well, I see someone (laughs) behind you. But he'll only tell me who he is if you give me 50 bucks. No, nobody did that. Anybody give me the hard sell? And, you know, actually, I was, I was kind of disappointed because I was hoping that with all those mediums there, you know, I, I was expecting like the bar because, <laughs> you know, there's always a bar at these events. Yeah, that's, that's what makes those events fun. Yeah. And I was hoping it would be a buzz with people telling stories that, oh, you know, this medium I just talked to contacted my dead uncle or oh, whatever, sure. you know, but I didn't hear any secondhand stories. Or like a bunch of drunk mediums. Just like, I just... Oh, God, like my grandma won't leave me alone. Like she's always like above my bed. She's always talking to me and stuff. And, and right. I'm like, why don't you go bother grandpa for the love of Christ? So that's what I was hoping you'd see for a bunch of like wasted mediums. Like, hey, that guy behind yeah. you, he's pretty cute. Well, I was hoping I'd see some, you know, like Whoopi Goldberg people channeling other sure. people, but I didn't experience that and I didn't get a reading of my own. So I guess, you know, I could have maybe had the opportunity, but it was a very busy day. And you weren't making any pottery or anything like that. And Patrick Swayze snuck up behind you. No, no, that didn't okay, happen. Okay. All right, that's too bad. <laughs> um, but I got to see Allison, our co-host. She was also there. Yes. So that was fun. And saw a really good presentation from our friend Scott Marcus. 
cool. what's your ghost story.com. He's a, an expert on Chicago hauntings and talked a lot about places in the area, some of the cool stories from there. And there's a lot of really, really creepy stuff <laughs> from Illinois. In, in McHenry County? Yes. Well, that's it, Woodstock, Illinois. Now, you, you told me something that I did not know, Wendy. And mm. that was Woodstock is where they filmed uh, Groundhog Day, the 1992 Bill Murray classic. Yeah, and that was possibly the most exciting thing for me was seeing the <laughs> square because we went down and checked out the, the square. And it's just the most charming, quaint little downtown square you ever did see. <laughs> And it looks exactly like it looks in the movie. So yeah. I'll share a picture. Like, I've got a picture of me standing in front of the opera house, the iconic scene from that movie. <laughs> he didn't see Ned Ryerson, uh, like the insurance salesman at all. He was, he's not this not time. There. No, okay. not this time. Next week is Groundhog's Day, Wendy. It is. What are you thinking? Do you think he'll see his shadow? Well, I'm just thinking of the way this winter is going, that six more weeks of winter sounds just about right. So I don't know if that happens, if he sees his shadow or not. But I do know that I just read yesterday that hotel rooms in Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania, little bitty Punxsutawney, the home of Groundhog's Day in Punxsutawney, Phil, the groundhog who does look at his own butt to see if he sees a shadow. I heard that the average hotel room is more expensive in Punxsutawney than it is in Houston, who's having the Super Bowl. And I still can't believe that. Yeah, I just, that's just something I read on the internet. So what I'm saying is... That's a shocking statistic. Now now that the Packers are not in the Super Bowl this year, the hottest ticket in the country is Groundhog's Day in (laughs) Pennsylvania. Oh, yes. Well, speaking of Packers, and that makes me think about broken dreams. And... uh, (laughs) (laughs) So this week, this is fun because... You know, this is probably the third episode of seeing another said that we've talked about dreams. And it's a place that we all like to visit and all like to go. And the first episode we had on it was about like lucid dreaming and controlling your dreams. Right. And that was like episode two. So that was like a hundred years ago, Wendy, that we did episode two. It was. It was so long ago. <laughs> and then the next episode we had a, a someone who was interested in interpreting your dreams. And she also had a very paranormal connection to it. Right. Um, but the guy we're interviewing today reads hundreds of people's dream journals every single day. Cool. Yeah, because he's the moderator of the Reddit Dreams Forum. Oh, that's got to be a, such an interesting job. <laughs> yeah. So I spend some time, whenever I go on Reddit, I, now I, I was checking out the Dreams Forum when I was um, getting ready for the interview, but usually when I go on Reddit, I read about Madison, Wisconsin, uh, a little bit to see what's going on. And it's mostly people hating on things. That's kind of Reddit. People love to hate on things. Either they upvote or downvote things. Um, and if you guys haven't been on Reddit, the, the essence is people post stuff and other people vote it up or vote it down. And that's how things get picked up. And then everybody else is pretentious and mean. <laughs> right. And then there's a lot of mean people. <laughs> Reddit is like, it, it's like walking into a schoolyard full of bullies. <gasps> like where they're it's so where scary just, there. It's just bullies. Anyway, I shouldn't say that because Jan DeBoer, no. he really does a good job of keeping the Reddit dream form cool. And, and I've been reading it and it's super interesting. But I usually go, I go in the paranormal section and I go because there's a whole ask paranormal and you can see what kind of experiences people have and the questions they're asking and how other people respond to them. And I've been enjoying it because I like to go there. And I, sometimes I like to, when I go on there and I see somebody get a whole bunch of crazy responses to their paranormal experience, I like to go in and say like, well, here's, you know, here's a more moderate response. It's, it's not Satan who's trying to control your soul. It's not, you know, you're not just crazy. It may be something like this. And so I try to find a more moderate response 
to the people on Reddit. And I think uh, Jam DeBoard really wonderfully does that on his Reddit Dreams forum. His Reddit name, Wendy. His yes. Reddit code. His Reddit code name. Do tell. Is is Rad Owl. Awesome. <laughs> and so I liked it in the interview. He's like, you can just call me Red Owl. That's and cool. I'm like, and I'm like, all right. I mean, like, I'm probably not going to use code names for this particular interview. Oh. Like, we're not on some kind of secret mission. But I appreciated that he was willing to go all in and be like, yeah, just, that's cool. Just use my Reddit code name. All right. But he's a really nice, interesting guy with a lot of insight. And he's totally willing to go into interpretations of some of my crazy dreams. And we go into some more popular dreams, too. All right. Well, I'm excited to hear this. Play a bear. You know, one of the most uh, frequently requested topics we get on See You on the Other Side is people love to talk about their dreams. So today we're bringing on a dream interpretation expert to help us out with uh, some of the ways that you guys can interpret your dreams. And that is the moderator of the dreams subreddit, Rat Owl. Rat Owl, thank you for joining us. Oh, Mike, thank you for having me, man. And uh, hello, everyone out there in uh, podcast land. Let's get right into it. So why dreams? What made you interested in the first place? Well, you know, um, you hear that dreams have meaning and that there are these famous people like Sigmund Freud and Carl Jung who said that they have meaning and this is how you do it. And, you know, for me, when I was in college, I, I didn't really, I took a few psychology classes or whatever, but we never really delved much into dreams. And then I discovered a counselor who became a lifelong mentor for me, Larry Pesavento in Cincinnati, Ohio, who taught me that my nightly dreams are connected with my daily dreams in the sense of your dreams are showing you how to live your life better in all aspects of it, your work, your relationships, your school, uh, whatever it is. And he helped me to make the connection that my dreams are stories that are about my life and that it's told to me through symbolism and that I can connect with my dreams as a way of uh, think of it as like a life coach. You know, but this is a coach who's known you all of your life, who knows all of your ins and outs, your, you know, darkest secrets or whatever, if you have any. And right. so um, the uh, the life coach I learned to speak with and it became this journey that's been going on for the last 20 something years. Uh, I decided that I needed to bottle the magic. I, I helped myself first and then I helped friends and I found that I had a way of explaining dreams that kind of cut through all the academic theory and schools of thought and stuff and said, hey, look, you know, there's a really, uh, I don't want to say easy, but it's kind of a simple way of understanding your dreams. Once you understand the process of it, uh, then it's really not that difficult. So I wrote the first book, Dreams 1, 2, 3, and now I have another one coming out, the big book of dream interpretation coming out in June. So it's really been the, probably the best thing I ever did for myself, not only because I found a career in it after working in media and, and different areas of publishing, it opened the door to, you know, to, to publishing books. And to now I give lectures and workshops. I, 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 I've been on international programs. I've been a guest on coast to coast AM. Oh yeah. We love George. Really awesome. Yeah, man. George Nori is, uh, uh, he's, uh, he's a really, uh, awesome dude. Bro, let's rewind a second here real quick. And I, I want to get into, okay. So where you're from originally? Dayton, Ohio. Okay. So you're from Ohio. I noticed the, the, had the Reds hat on. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> and, um, we're big fans of Cincinnati. We come through the queen city. We've played there, you know, dozens of times and actually interviewed, uh, not too long ago, the paranormal team that handles Bobby Mackey's music world. 
Oh, interesting. <laughs> so, uh, so we have a great relationship with that area. And uh, Ohio is a lot of fun. And so you're from there. And uh, where'd you go to school? Uh, University of Cincinnati. Okay, so it's University of Cincinnati. And yeah. you take a few psych, because I'm thinking about because I was a psych undergrad a thousand years ago when I went to college. Uh-huh. And so you're right. We only talked a little bit about dreams when we went into the kind of Freudian psychoanalysis. Yeah, which I find to be kind of antiquated, but it's what everybody knows of. So, you know, there's been um, people like Carl Jung and his contemporaries have really taken this and expanded it. But unfortunately, it's really not taught as part of your standard, you know, curriculum in a, uh, at a psych program. And so real quick for you guys out there, when you ever hear the expression people use, uh, if you didn't have this in Psych 101, whenever you hear the expression people use, sometimes a cigar is just a cigar comes from uh, a Sigmund Freud. He's having a talk about like dream interpretation, dream analysis in, in, in his psychoanalysis. And you know how everything, obviously, Sigmund Freud goes sexual in some way. And this guy's talking about dreaming about a cigar and smoking a cigar. And Sigmund Freud smoking a cigar. And they, obviously the guy's trying to connotate that there's something sexual within the dream. And, and Freud just goes, well, sir, sometimes a cigar is just a cigar. And that's all it means. And so anyway, I just, <laughs> I hear that expression all the time. And so I just want to make sure next time you hear that expression, then you'll know exactly where it came from. And you know, what's interesting is uh, phallic symbols are, uh, once you start to see phallic symbols, you see them everywhere. Yeah. Rockets and uh, 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 buildings and towers and right. cigars and all of that. But, you know, usually the funny thing I find, Mike, is, is that oftentimes dreams actually refer directly to the male organ. Okay. They don't need to be obscure and use phallic symbols. But Freud really did get that ball rolling. And uh, it's funny how it came around full circle on him, huh? You know, right. there he is smoking a cigar and they're going, hey, Sigmund, do you, uh, you got some repressed desires <laughs> right. there? <laughs> right. Well, people keep, I keep drinking about trains. I don't know why. But um, like going through tunnels, I'm not sure what's going on. But that's the thing about dreaming interpretation that it is so let's go back now you said you found a mentor in cincinnati right for who who got you into this um and so you were working as a writer and you'd worked as a like a journalist yeah i i really journalism was my first career and i kind of nibbled at the edges i was a music writer uh i was a sports writer i was a news writer uh when i got out of college i only found jobs at like small weeklies and so um, another opportunity came along with a web startup at the time it was, you know, the turn of the century and the internet was the big new thing. And I, all right, we were all, we were all getting crazy jobs at the turn of the century. It was awesome. If you were the only guy in the neighborhood that knew what an MP3 was, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. people didn't even have iPods back then. So we were really on the cutting edge of all this and we had a lot of fun with it. Um, and, but I found that, um, I never really got back on track with journalism. I, I worked in some radio journalism and also television journalism. Um, And so, you know, it kind of came full circle for me when I started publishing books because that's what I always wanted to do. You know, I was a 16-year-old who was sitting there on the side of my bed with my hands clasped together in the prayer position going, hey, you know, God, you know, being an author really sounds like a cool job, you know. But boy, to be able to just sit around all day and make it up is uh, uh, those jobs everybody – that's a job everybody (laughs) – Right. That is a special (laughs) gift. It sure is. Right. How did you meet the mentor who got you into this? Like, and and what was it? Were you having, like, are you the kind of person that has had a lot of nightmares or anything like that when you were growing up? I was having a lot of difficulty at the time. I was in my uh, fourth year of my undergraduate and really I'd 
only accomplished about three years of curriculum and I was really slowing down and uh, hitting walls. And I, uh, I went to see a counselor on campus. It was free, you know, get to go see some PhD psych student, And they basically told me, Hey, uh, well, if you're just kind of better organized with your time, you'll be fine. And it didn't address what I went to them for. So a friend of mine, a dead neighbor, had a, uh, a chapter from a book, you know, just printed out off the computer um, that was from this guy, Larry Pesavento. And I, I, it just rung a bell with me. I resonated with what this guy was saying. And um, so I was like, wait, this guy's he works locally, you know, and he's like, yeah, yeah, I go to see him, too. And I'm like, OK, well, let me go check this guy out. So I end up in his office. I sit there for an hour. I spill out my guts to this guy and he kind of looks at me and says, we're going to do some good work together. So for the next three years, we worked together on a weekly basis. And for the last 20 years, we've, you know, I, I still call him up, but now it's really more of peer to peer, you know, mm -hmm. uh, but I'm kind of his uh, protege in a way. And um, Larry has been probably one of the best things that other than my, you know, other than my wife, you know, and my loving family, uh, Larry has been the best thing that's happened to me. And uh, so it was one of those synchronicities, you know, sometimes life, you have a need and life finds a way of sticking it in front of you and right. saying, okay, if you're willing to take these steps, you know, I've got something for you that can help you. Well, and that's really interesting too, I think, is that you end up talking to somebody because you think they can help you out with your own dream issues and, and, and maybe help you find some reflection on yourself. And that ends up being a path that you follow yourself. Yeah, it sure was. Yeah. And, you know, Mike, I was having a lot of dreams at the time that were uh, the scary variety. I, uh, I would have dreams about a, uh, an undead dark man who would chase me all over the place. I started having those dreams when I was nine years old before any of this stuff really came up, you know? Mm -hmm. And then um, I was having dreams about falling and I would just fall endlessly through darkness. And, you know, at the time I was really kind of living the party lifestyle, you know, going out six nights a week. Oh yeah. A no, lot I, drinking, I, a lot of drugging, you know. It was I'm with you. <laughs> I, you. When you were saying that before, like, you know, if, if you take a look, you can find phallic symbols everywhere. It's like, well, I, I'm in the permanent state of arrested development in the rock band. So it's like, we find phallic symbols wherever we go. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and the ladies do too. You <laughs> right. know, hey, you know. I feel you. I used to live in Madison, Wisconsin, by the way. I know you guys uh, are based out of there. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, when did you live in Madison? Uh, back in, well, this would have been about 12 years ago now, uh, 94 in that, in that range. Um, I loved it. I used to hang down at the UW. I went down to the beer gardens, hung out by the lake. Uh, we lived way out on Raymond Road, so I would jump on my bike and take the bike trails all the way down into town. And I tell you, you know, I'm in Tucson, Arizona now, and I love Tucson. The desert kind of called me out here. Sure. And I also lived in San Francisco, and I love San Francisco. But uh, Madison had a, a real um, vibe to it that I really dug. The people were great. There was always something to do, especially in the summer when mm -hmm. people can kind of shed the winter clothing and get out there and have fun. And the music scene was very vibrant. And I'm from a German heritage, you know. Right, so, so you fit right in. You know, put me in the beer hall and give me a, you know, a pretzel and a, <laughs> and a bratwurst and I'm right. Right. Oh, that's great. That's fun that you used to live in Madison. Right. Well, we, uh, you know, we always make the joke because uh, it, in our group, we always, we came for college and then we were like, well, we just had so much fun. We never left. Like everybody was from Milwaukee and then everybody came to Madison to go to school and you're like, oh yeah, you guys want to go home? I'm like, no, not really. <laughs> 
like, yeah. we're, we're okay right here. So here I am 20 years later. So based on dreams, you know, and I know how you feel when you're talking about having that, those, those harsh dreams from a young age. Because, yeah. and I've talked about this on the podcast a million times, but I, the, I saw Night of the Living Dead when I was six years old. And I know, you look at it now, and it's so cheesy, and the zombies look horrible, and stuff. I mean, you, the stuff that you see in The Walking Dead every Sunday night is so much scarier and more graphic and everything. But, uh, you know, as a six-year-old, seeing the zombies and uh, the black and white and the feel of that movie, it was just something that stuck with me. And that was my recurring nightmare, I, I mean, for a decade. I'll talk about a great symbol of fear, you know, the zombies who are coming to eat your brains. Uh, and especially in a young mind, you know, that can be a deeply impressionable. Um, I just, I was recently on uh, Darkness Radio with Dave Schrader. Oh yeah, Darkness Dave's the best. For, oh, that, he's awesome. And we uh, we talked about the zombies as a dream symbol. And, you know, it's funny is, is that they are the walking dead. And if you use that as a comparison, because dreams love to make comparisons and really, you know, they love to make metaphors. And so think about what is a metaphor for, you know, a zombie or a horde of zombies. Have you ever been to a mall where people are walking around and their eyes look a little lifeless, you know, or, you know, um, also think about a zombie as something that has not completed a transformation and it's sort of in a state of decay. And if you're not making progress in your life, then you enter a state of entropy where you start to uh, uh, regress backwards. So people who resist changes in their life and that natural progression um, often become in this sort of zombie-like state where they're they're not really you know thinking very deeply or thinking very clearly. Uh, they are in a state of sort of personal or emotional decay. So yeah, man, zombies are a heck of a you know of a dream symbol and um, one that is actually brought up quite often. You know, as a moderator at Reddit, I I'm absorbing dozens of dreams a day on the days that I really can fully commit to you know it, and I I'm there most days. So in this six years that I've been on this journey uh, as the main moderator at the Dreams Forum, I've taken in thousands and thousands of dreams. And I tell you, man, zombies, it is a very popular theme. If you have to pick one monster that appears more than any other, I would say zombies are it. Okay, good. That means I wasn't alone in having no, you're not as alone. a child in the <laughs> 80s. Having, and that's something, you know, your Reddit work is something that I find is interesting because uh, I go on Reddit, I hang out, I, I contribute to some of the paranormal forums and pay attention sometimes. And, and so if you guys haven't tried Reddit yet, I think the best way to describe Reddit is like an old school, um, the Usenet forums. You know, yeah. people would go on to Usenet and they would they'd po- like post something. It's all text, except you can, you know, you can put images and videos and links to, to stuff in there. But it, it's all text. And it's got that old school kind of text-based feel. And, yeah, yeah. I love it for that. And so you came in there. And, and so I think about the Paranormal Forum. And I think about, you know, people come in, they ask questions every day and, you know, and somebody will be like, oh, you're possessed by the devil. Like, you know, and they'll, they'll come in and they'll scare them. They'll be like, I'd get out of that house right away. You know that there's demons in that house. And, you know, people come in and the thing about Reddit is that anybody can come in and say anything. And, you know, uh, I see that in the paranormal forums that people get very, you know, it's a very personal thing. And I would think, of course, more personal than that is when people come in with the dream forums. Now, do you have to approve the 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 postings that go up or does it does anything go up and then you just try to c- contain the fallout 
the latter. Yeah, I'm I'm there to make sure that people are following our very simple rules, which are don't be a douche, you know, and just <laughs> that's a good rule for anybody. Fact, that's that's been my rule for years, you know, and it's it's basically respect that people are sharing, you know, something that's sometimes very deeply personal to them. So it really runs the gamut from people who are there just to kind of joke around or maybe they had an interesting dream they want to share all the way up through people who are very deeply into their dream life and dream interpretation. And they're also there to learn from other people who have, you know, explored the subject and have knowledge to share. You know, as you know, Reddit is really like a box of chocolates. You know, you never right. know what you're going to get. That is you can rub elbows one day with a, an expert. Like if you're there to learn about, you know, physics, you could be rubbing elbows with, uh, you know, people who've been, you know, uh, uh, PhDs in physics for, you know, decades, all the way up through somebody who's just taken a physics class in high school, through people who know nothing about it, and they're just there to maybe learn or even just to joke around. Um, I tell you, you know, once you set up Reddit to get your feed into your front page for the, the subjects that you're most interested in, it is a great aggregator of that information. Um, I'm at paranormal, um, occult, uh, UFOs. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm also interested in anything that's about spiritual work and spiritual development. And I keep up with all of the latest information. It's funny is, is that I often read it on Reddit a day or two before I'll see it on places like, um, say, AOL or MSN. Uh, mainstream news sources are actually picking up a lot of their information off of Reddit and using Reddit in their voting system as a way of determining what people are really interested in. That's a really good point The way when you talk about that. And we talk about social media and, you know, a lot of times when you get to Facebook, it's, it's the stuff that's been trending already, and then the people pick up on it. Even Twitter, it's the stuff that's been trending already, and then, then people yeah. pick up on it because it's trending. A lot of times on Reddit, because the, the group is so in the know, you know, uh, kind of, and it's, it's really people who thrive on communicating with each other and getting this info out and underground and stuff, that uh, you do see stuff earlier like you will see the report like some bigfoot story out of some place in the northwest you know out of some small newspaper in the northwest that'll make reddit and then it'll make uh, a bigger blog you know three days later or something like that yeah reddit is like having eyes and ears everywhere and they're skimming not only the local papers but the national news sources and they're skimming blogs and you know all these other things like that uh chilean uh the ufo video that was released by yes. the chilean military i saw that on the ufo subreddit um you know days before i saw it hit any other mainstream sources so you know yeah it's great they have the eyes and ears for you out there these are people who are all interested in the same subjects that you are and they're we're all out there combing through you know this vast uh information stream that we're constantly getting off of the internet and they're putting it up there on reddit for you so uh, I love it, and I would highly encourage your audience to use Reddit, by the way, R-E-D-D-I-T.com, um, and uh, just start there, use the search box, and start looking for subreddits that are up your alley. And of course, while you're there, check out the Dream subreddit and subscribe to it. Right, exactly. Um, you know what I like, though? Uh, another thing is that if you're into conspiracy theories, uh, Reddit's a great place to go, because they will, you know, when the Making a Murderer thing came out a couple years or a year and a half ago, like that really, like that went through the grind and people were, you know, there's amateur detectives and stuff. It, it really, it, it, if it, when it's used well, it's a really fun informational place uh, to share. And I wanted to ask about that. What's the kind of process when uh, somebody posts a dream on Reddit, 
how would you describe like your process of going in and helping somebody maybe analyze a dream? Maybe, uh, you know, somebody comes in and says, well, you're just dreaming about having sex with your mom. And you're just like, well, no, vote that guy down, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. We get those too. You know, we get the jokers, jokers who come in there and, uh, that's okay too. If it's real inappropriate, I'll remove it. Uh, we have a great team of moderators there. Um, some of them are professional therapists. Uh, Susan Van Dorn is a, uh, is a Jungian therapist based out of the Netherlands. Uh, uh, she's one of our moderators and I've recruited in other people who showed a natural talent for it, whether they're educated in it or not. And I recruit them in to be moderators. So Basically, you come in, you have a dream you want to share, you you go through the process of posting it, and then you have people who come in who will give you suggestions. And if it's someone like me, um, my approach to interpreting dreams, to helping other people interpret dreams, is, is that I want to tell them what they already know. Or not tell, that's the wrong word. I want to remind them of what they already know. Because here's the thing, who invented your dreams? You know, it might right. seem like they're beamed in from outer space or something because they can seem so disconnected from everyday reality. But once you understand that it's symbolism and that your dreams are communicating to you in this language of symbolism, then what you're really trying to do is decode what that symbolism is and see how it connects with yourself and with your life. So I try to give suggestions and ask the right questions to say, hey, you know, uh, you had a dream that your mom died in a car crash. First thing, relax. It's most likely that your mom, you're not having a prophecy that your mom is about to die in right. a car crash. It means perhaps, hey, would you happen to be a teenage male who is trying to, you know, live your own life and get some independence from her, but at the same time, you still love your mom and you're having some conflict about this? Well, death in your dream can mean simply that you need space that your relationship with your mother is changing. You know, there's nothing really here to worry about. It might be something that you need to do and that later you can come back and be close with her again, but now you're an adult relating to another adult rather than as a child relating to a parent. So this is just one example. And so we have a really great community there of people who um, are knowledgeable about dreams. And we just try to help people understand what's going on in their dream life and offer suggestions to them. You know, I, uh, it makes me think about a dream I had when I was a kid in that uh, my mother had died and my father had remarried B. Arthur. Oh, wow. Uh, from yeah. uh, Golden Girls? <laughs> yeah, this, was, this was pre-Golden Girls. So this would have been, he'd have been, this would have been, I'm like, oh my God, dad married Maud. Oh, yes, I remember. <laughs> and oh, I'm wow. sitting there and I'm like, you know, I'm just thinking about that. I'm like, why would that be even a thing? That my, I'm like, oh yeah, well, you know, dad just loves B. Arthur, and so she's going to be mom now. And, uh, you know, obviously, you know, you're seven years old or eight years old, and you have this horrible dream that something happened to your mother, and then it's getting replaced. And I used to hate the show Maud because they would be fighting with each other all the time. And that would be, I guess I'm analyzing it myself, because that would be a nightmare, the idea that I'd be in this family now where everybody is arguing with each other all the time, and I can't handle that. So let's begin... We, you begin there, and let's show your audience this is the basic way of interpreting a dream. You begin by making associations with the content from the dream, with the details, such as B. 
B. Arthur, and you associate her with arguing and fighting, you know, because that was a character that she played on a show and they were right. constantly arguing. The modern interpretation of that might be um, uh, Modern Family or um, Everybody Loves Raymond. You know, they're always oh, yeah. they're this family that's always fighting with each other. So you start with that association and you go, okay, well, uh, now that I know that this might have something to do with arguing and fighting, you know, have I seen my father at that age? Uh, you know, did you see your father arguing with your mom? Did you see more contention coming into the relationship? But here's the thing is most of your dreams reflect back what's going on inside of yourself and sure. your thoughts, your feelings, uh, your emotions. So you're working with the association from your dream and you use that to then dig into whether the dream is talking to something that happened in your life, such as an event or a circumstance or situation, or whether it's talking about what's going on inside of your life, especially in your emotions, but also your thoughts, feelings, perceptions. And so you have this dream where, you know, your father has uh, married Maud, you know, and right. you oh, yeah. is being, uh, I know, isn't that like a nightmare come true, <laughs> yes. you know? And you might have been observing something that maybe your parents were having difficulties, you were observing fights and arguments that were going on, something like that. But here's a twist to it is maybe it was talking about the father that is within you and you were having some kind of fight or struggle within yourself. You know, for example, at that age, you're picking up all of this stuff off of your father, either off of his direct teachings or also by his examples. You're looking at him as his son and you're using him as an example of how to be a man, even though you're not even close to that age sure. yet. You're constantly going through this process of picking things up. But maybe you were having a different mixed message from what you were getting from your mom. You know, dad wants you to be tough. Mom wants you to be sensitive. You know, not to oversimplify, but this is an example of the sort of conflict that could be brewing inside of you. And your dreams pick up these characters and show them to you. And it's really describing everything that's going on with you, but it has really nothing to do with them personally. It's just that you're using associations with them to create a story to tell you about what's going on inside of yourself. Well, right. Also, it's a chance for self-reflection either way. So it's, you know, the nice thing about dreams is that there is no correct interpretation. Every interpretation leads you closer to some kind of truth. Yes, that's right. And the interpretation that fits you best is really the one that uh, I would want you as somebody who works with dreams and teaches people about them. Um, I want you to find the interpretation that fits best for you as long as you're not doing some kind of damage to yourself or contorting the dream to fit some kind of preconceived idea or notion. You are really the best interpreter of your dreams. You just need to have somebody perhaps reflect them back to you in a way that you are able to digest it uh, Sometimes you don't really know what your dreams mean. You, or it's, it's getting into a blind spot that you have, and the dreams are going to help you to see that blind spot. And having somebody to help you, you know, to reflect back what they see in your dream can help you to see something that's in your own blind spot that you might not be able to pick up on otherwise. That's a good way to put it. That that's why it's a great thing to discuss it, and especially in a safe place like Reddit, where you can, yes. like, let's say you have something messed up in your dream, because sometimes we all have, you know, weird things, or it's like, or it's like an alternate reality. Like, you know, I'll have dreams sometimes that, um, oh yeah, dogs can fly. 
that's just how it goes. I've always known dogs can fly. Yeah, the dogs. Yeah. See that dog's just flying across the street right there. It's just a dog flying. That's not weird. And you get that like that alternate physics, alternate reality kind of thing happen in dreams. And I'm just thinking about messed up stuff. You can talk about that stuff in an online forum that you couldn't tell your best friend, maybe. Yeah, that's right. And you can be anonymous at Reddit. And I can't tell you how many times I have people come in and they do have some kind of dream that makes them feel very shameful. You know, there was one I remember off the top of my head, uh, a, a woman came in, she'd had a dream that she was dry humping her cousin in front of her other cousins. They were like <laughs> in a bed and they're dry humping. And she thinks that it's sort of like, like incest or something, which is, you know, the ultimate taboo. Right. And she's like, God, what is this dream saying about me? Is there something wrong with me? And I said, okay, well, let's look at this dream and see what it might be saying. And you put yourself into the scenario, you know, and here she is. She's with one of her cousins. They're dry humping and she's surrounded by all of her other cousins. And I was like, is it all, you know, of your other cousins? And she's like, yeah, every single one of them. She's like, I'm from a big family and I have a lot of cousins who are my age and we're all up in each other's business. You know, they're always going back and forth about talking about each other and, and gossiping and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, you know, really, if you break down this dream and look at it, you know, in, a, in its simplest form, what it's doing is putting you into a scenario where you feel really uncomfortable because you are exposed in front of all of these other people who are close to you, these relatives. And really what we found is, is that the dream is an expression of her feelings about being uh, that she, she has no privacy. You know, uh, that everything that she does gets picked up by her cousins and talked about. And especially with social media where they can all, you know, go back and forth on Facebook and Snapchat and that kind of stuff. You know, she had absolutely no privacy. So really the dream, even though it looks like, you know, incest with a cousin, right. is really telling her a story about feeling exposed and even violated by this lack of privacy that she has um, in her family life. So you really have to look at the dream as a story. Dreams about, you know, murder and and rape and stuff like this. You know, most of the time those dreams are using those themes as symbolism. And if you step back from it and be objective, then you can see that it's not as um, it's not the bad thing that it might appear to be at first. Yeah, you know, that's a, that's a good one. And I think about dreams about murder. I've often had dreams, not often, not like every week or something like that, but I've often had dreams where I kill someone and then I hide the body and then it's, you know, it's, it's what happens after. It's trying not to get found out. It's trying to live a normal life when I have, you know, committed a horrific crime. Yeah, and, well, think about it. Think about it in simplest terms. Let's look at that real quick. Yeah. Think about it in simplest terms. What is the story really saying? You've done something that you are either, I don't know, maybe ashamed of or that you want to hide from other people and you don't want other people want to hide it, it, right. You know? I mean, it could be anything from like realizing that you gossiped about a friend and you're afraid that it's going to get back to that friend. You know, you're at the bar one night, you're drinking, you know, having fun and you let your mouth run a little bit, you know, and then you dream that night and there's a part of you in the back of your head that's going, oh, crap, what if that gets back to that person? Sure. You know, you know, so it could be something like that. You know, I found that dream theme to pop up and with almost anyone who is trying to disguise or hide something that they've done. And it doesn't have to be anything that's necessarily that bad. You know, it can, it's, you know, like gossiping about a friend or uh, cheating on a test or, sure. you know, uh, 
you don't want to be the doctor that your parents want you to be and you're trying to hide it from them. You know, you want to be a rock star or, you know, you want to flip burgers, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. it's just saying that there's something that you're trying to conceal. And, and you know, I just want to run through a couple of dreams with you. And then I want to sure. talk a little bit about paranormal dreams. And then I want to get to your system that you talk about okay. in your book and you talk about on your blog too. So uh, number one, the teeth falling out dream. Yes. One of the most popular themes. I started having that when I was a kid. And I still have that every once in a while. It's like, oh, God, I have it on my teeth. Like, what, <laughs> yeah. is that, what does that seem to represent? Well, you know, begin with the idea that your teeth are part of your face. And if you lose a front tooth, then you are losing face. And what does that figure of speech mean? You know, it's a metaphor for doing something that embarrasses you or harms your reputation. Also, you know, if you have gone for any period of time without adequate dental care, you know what kind of anxiety that brings up in you. You know, you can be afraid that this, you know, it's going to lead to bigger problems. So I find that the teeth crumbling um, can uh, be related to anxieties and worries in the way that they kind of eat at you. Um, now you can go another direction with it and think about what your your teeth are in your mouth. What does your mouth do? Your mouth is used to form words, to communicate, to mm-hmm. articulate. I mean, right now I can feel my tongue rolling off the back of my teeth. So without my teeth in my mouth, (laughs) you know, so your teeth are actually very important for being able to articulate. And you, if you think about it that way, well, you could have, um, teeth that uh, your, your teeth falling out can mean that you're having trouble uh, with your words. Uh, I had an example from Reddit. There was a young man that came in. He said that he had a dream that he was uh, dining with his father, sitting across the table with him. And every time he opened his mouth to say something, his teeth would fall out. You know, like there they are sitting in his mashed potatoes. And he's like, oh, I got to put my teeth back in my head, you know. Well, I started talking with him about it. And I said, well, you know, if you look at this in simplest terms, really what the dream is saying or suggesting is, is that you're having trouble talking with your father. And he's like, yeah, I just came out as transgender and my ah. father was kind of one of these traditionally masculine guys. Right. And he's like, he hasn't said a whole lot and I'm, you know, about it and I don't know what to think. And I don't, you know, he's like, so I'm having real difficulty communicating with my father right now. And I'm like, okay, well, that seems to be what the dream is saying to you or suggesting is, is that it's just reflecting back the fact that you're having trouble with, you know, with articulation. So you can use that. I had another dream. There's a girl that came in. She dreamed that she had false teeth. She pulled out her false teeth and they stunk just like an old garbage can, you know? And I was like, okay, well, what's been going on lately with, you know, have you been false in anything that you've been, you said? And she hit on it right away. She's like, yeah, last night, you know, my parents are divorced and my mom lives in another town, but she's always kind of prying into what I'm doing. She's like, I've been smoking some weed and stuff. And my mom asked me if I do drugs and I said no. And it's like, I knew that I was lying, but I had to lie about it. And I was like, okay, so you feel bad about it. And what you said was false. And then it's shown in the smell of the false teeth when she pulls them out of her mouth. So, you know, the teeth are awesome. I know. Isn't that great? Once you step back from it, you realize that it's the meaning is right there in front of you. If you'll just kind of expand the way that you look at it, don't look at the surface or overt story. Think of it as symbolism. It's trying to say something through metaphor or by making a comparison. And when you step back and just start playing with the words, false teeth, okay, well, false statements, teeth are used to speak, uh, stinky teeth, you know, what makes you feel like what's coming out of your mouth is stinky. It's right, right there. 
there, you'll just think about it creatively. Okay, that's a good I, I love that. And okay, so this is one I've been having, uh, I'd say maybe once a month, going back to high school for some reason. Like re-enlisting in high school after and like like going to class and then skipping some classes. And I never even skipped a class in high school. I can't even think of a class I skipped in high school. But it's like go back to class and then there's some classes like I'm not just not gonna go to that one and kind of things. But but let's go back to like just going back to high school in general. Is that one you hear a bunch? Very often. It's one of the most popular themes. And going back to school, whether high school or college, can mean that there is something that you've encountered in presently in your life for which you feel unprepared. You know, because what is high school really supposed to do? It's supposed to prepare you for the next step of your life, whether it's going on to college, getting job training. Well, what does that mean? That means you're preparing for your adult life, whether you're going to, let's say, if you want to have a family, well, you got to support a family. What does that mean? You got to have a job. Well, if you got a job, what does that mean? Well, if it's a good job with benefits, it most likely means that you've gotten some kind of training or education to go with it. So I had this dream when I was writing my first book because I'd come from a journalism background and the most I'd ever written in a story was maybe 2,000 words. Well, now I'm looking at a 60,000-word manuscript and it's just a massive amount of information for me to write to wrap my mind around. So I found that I was learning as I was going and that I had times when I felt like there were gaps in my knowledge. So I dream about being back in, in school because I had encountered a difficulty for which I felt unprepared. Now, here's another quick example for you. Um, there was This comes from Reddit. Uh, a young man comes in and says, hey, I had a dream I was back in high school, but I graduated four years ago. Okay, so now we know right off the bat that this is a discrepancy with reality and that high school, being back in high school, is symbolism. So he says, I'm in a classroom and I'm given an assignment by the teacher and I don't understand it. I ask questions of the teacher. The teacher gives me answers, but I don't, I don't understand them and I start getting frustrated. So then my peers, my other classmates, tell me that um, I'm not going to graduate. He also notes that he's in a different seat than usual. Okay, so you look at that part of the dream and you go, okay, there's something that you don't understand. The assignment in the dream mm -hmm. is translating to something that's in your life, and you're not getting the answers that you need because you also see that in the action of the dream. And then he's not in the same seat, which means he's in a different place in his life now. So then the dream goes on. He says he reacts. He picks up desks and start hurling them across the classroom. He's like pulling an incredible Hulk here. Right, he's just in rage, right? He's just crashing the place apart. And he goes storming out of the classroom and he seeks out the school counselor. He gets to the school counselor's office and the school counselor is like out to lunch or something. So I was like, okay, well, let's look at this and, and see what this dream is really trying to tell you. And, you know, he's in school. What are you trying to learn? Okay, you feel like there's something for which you're not prepared. Okay, look at your reaction in the dream. He goes into a rage when he finds out he's not going to graduate. That means something very important to him because you can see it in his reaction. He knows subconsciously what the symbolism means, and he's reacting based off of that subconscious knowledge. So it's not just that he's not going to graduate. There's something larger at work here. And then the counselor's office. That was the part that really clued me in because I said, well, why would you go seeking out the school counselor? Well, what does a school counselor do for you? You go to them to say, hey, what should I do with my life? What's, what kind of career should I prepare for? So I got into some specifics with him. And he's like, you know, look, I'm four years out of high school and I'm in the same place I was the day I graduated. I haven't done anything. 
You know, he's sitting around, you know, playing video games, drinking beers. He's not moving forward in his life. And he realizes that his window of opportunity is really, you know, closing quickly on him to be able to do these things. Sure. And so we put it all together and he's back in high school and he hasn't graduated because he hasn't moved on in his life. He hasn't figured out what the next steps are. He, the dream says, well, you're not going to graduate because he fears that he's going to be stuck in this place for a long time to come. He's going to end up being some kind of loser, you know, who's 40 years old and living in mom's basement. You know, right. no offense to all the losers out there living in mom's basement at 40 years old. Okay. <laughs> hey, live the life you want to live. Right? Hey, right. More okay. power to you. <laughs> More power to you. Exactly. Um, and so we put all that to, together and six months later, I get a message from him. He says, you know, Hey, thanks for helping me understand that dream. I took the information and, um, I joined the Navy and he was one of these uh, guys who was on the ships out there, uh, using the targeting computer, you know, learning how to fire off the artillery and stuff like that. And, um, he said that he was happier than he'd ever been. So it was by understanding the dream and the message behind it and really connecting with the feelings of the dream, he was able to then kind of break through this log jam that he had and take the action that he needed to take. Uh, the dream helped to provide the catalyst for that for him. Sure. And that's, you can do that in ways large and small every day of your life because you're always dreaming. And that really is a testament to the power of, um, you know, just dreams and you know, the power of self-reflection and, and using this as a tool for self-reflection. You know, one of the things that I'm interested in, and we hear this from different guests, and I've never had a dream, I would say, that I either, like, telepathically talk to somebody or, you know, some people say that they, you know, meet the spirits of their deceased relatives and things like that in a dream. Um, I do believe that I've had dreams where I've seen something happen. Like I've, I've seen an image or a, like the three or three or four seconds of something happening. Like I remember yes. I was uh, 11 years old and I was at my guitar player's, well, my guitar player now, but I was over at his house and we were having a snowball fight with some neighbor kids and we were using a circular red sled as uh, defense against the snowballs, right? And so I remember that like three seconds of that. And then like three months later, that actually happened to me. And I'm like, oh. I haven't just been here before. I saw this. And it's not like I saw the whole thing. I just saw the moment. So I really, whatever, glitch in the matrix, things like that. But in the stuff that you've had an experience with, have you ever had some kind of paranormal experience yourself in your dreams or people that you've worked with? Oh, absolutely. And it's one of the things that I'm asked about most often because it's, uh, it's really what makes people seek out other than nightmares. It's really what makes people come and seek out a forum like Reddit, where they can ask other people what they've experienced. They want to know that they're not alone. And here's the thing about precognition. Um, I was asked about that on a uh, coast to coast AM. And at the time I was, uh, I was kind of skeptical about it, even though I had, um, experienced precognition myself. Um, Dreams are probably the number one way that people experience precognition. And by precognition, I mean you are getting a preview or glimpse of the future. Now, some people might say that that's impossible, you know, but just keep an open mind for a second here because mm -hmm. there's a lot of science behind this. I started talking to people such as Russell Targ, who's a physicist. Uh, Russell was one of the main uh, people who conducted the remote viewing experiments at um, SRI. 
um, okay. Stanford Research Institute, uh, which, by the way, recently released CIA documents. I just saw it on Reddit yesterday. Uh, there are CIA documents that have now been put online where they vouch for the efficacy of the remote viewing, telekinesis, and other experiments that they did. They even um, brought so, in Uri Geller. I can't believe it. They even brought in yes, Uri Geller. That that too. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, um, and Ingo Swan, uh, people who have, uh, you know, it's it's hard unless you experience it for yourself or from you hear about it from someone, a source that you trust. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very difficult for most people to accept that this stuff is real, that it really does happen. Um, and so um, the precognition is something that everybody has happened to them. Um, in the uh, in yogic tradition, not just yoga, but there's an entire spiritual tradition called the yogic tradition. Um, the precognition is the first rung of the ladder. They call it the the sort of like 32 spiritual gifts, and the first gift is precognition. After you've been meditating and getting into your body and the right state of mind, following the yogic tradition, um, it's the first thing that will start happening to you is you will start getting glimpses of the future. But here's the thing: is it's not set in stone. It's something that could happen, but it doesn't. It won't necessarily automatically happen. It's not a prophecy. Uh, I know a guy who avoided a car wreck um, because he had a dream about uh, driving along in the snow and uh, stepping on the brakes. The, he hits a patch of black ice right at the wrong time. He goes skidding into the intersection, and a car t-bones him. And the last thing he looks thinks is he looks over at his daughter and realizes he's about to die. And you know, as a father, this is one of his greatest fears. Sure. Well, he decided he was going to act on the dream. Um, he's a, a researcher. His name's Ian Wilson. He lives in Canada, and uh, he decided for the first time in all of his years living in Canada, he was going to get those deluxe studded snow tires. You know, just the best things that you can buy for driving in the snow. So he's going along one night, just like in the dream. He's got his daughter in the passenger seat, just like in the dream. He comes up to an intersection, just like in the dream. He puts on his presses on his brakes and starts to skid into the intersection, just like the dream. Except here's the difference. The snow tires caught and gripped just enough to slow his car down so that the truck that T-boned him in the dream, that same truck came flying through that intersection and just missed the front end of his car. So he slowed down just enough to avoid the accident. So here's the thing, though. When you have these dreams, they're going to be very vivid. They're going to be very clear. And they're going to reflect what they're going to reflect your reality in a way that is um, different than ordinary dreams. They can be metaphorical. I know a guy who had a dream about three wolves beating down his door, and it was very metaphorical. And three months later, he got into a legal dispute over some intellectual property, and three lawyers came beating down his door. (laughs) And he he actually used the dream as a, a guide for how to handle the situation because he was about to get himself in some really deep doo doo. And it was going to spoil something that he had worked on for years. And it was he was relying on this for his retirement. And he, these lawyers came along and said, no, that's ours. And so in the dream, he took he went to the alpha wolf and pet the wolf. And the wolf looks at the other one and said, we're going to have to have a meeting about these humans because I, I think we got to change our tactics on this. So a couple of weeks 
later after this initial squabble, he's talking to the lead attorney and he decided that he was going to appeal to her on a, he was, instead of fighting him, that he was going to cooperate and he was going to appeal to her he on didn't like, a He didn't like pet her hair or anything like that. He, this is metaphorical. No, I mean, no, he, but he it's He wasn't like, good girl, good girl. He, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, it, then that he goes to jail. Too, you know? Yeah, exactly. But he said the situation turned out, it, it all turned out okay, um, that he was able to do something for them and in return they released the intellectual rights to this software that he'd created and so he was free and in the clear to start selling it and that was for him just this huge blessing so the dream was completely metaphorical but he understood that once he understood the dream he understood how to apply it to his life now you talk about the dreams of deceased relatives i get asked this quite a lot and it's really hard to talk sometimes about this because People get it, it gets into their beliefs, you know, and their entire belief system can be based around, hey, we're all just, you know, biological meat. And one of these days you're going to rot the box in the ground and that's it. For other people, it's no, heaven is real. Afterlife is real. Hell is real. You know, I know this because I've been taught this since I was a child, you know. Mm -hmm. So you get into these things with people and you got to be really careful with it, especially giving people some kind of false hope. But here's my thing. After being asked about this and really digging into it personally, I am absolutely convinced that dreams can open up a communication line between people who are alive in body and people who are alive in spirit but no longer in body. And that love is this connection that keeps them connected with each other. Now, you have to A, overcome your beliefs and B, balance your emotions before this can happen. Uh, for example, a young man had a dream that he, right after his father died, he had a dream that he was balancing the temperature of the water in a fish tank. And once he'd achieved the right balance of the water, um, his father appeared in the room and they had this great conversation. And his father expressed things like, hey, I'm okay. I'm, I'm, I'm doing well. You know, I'm still alive. I'm connected with you. I'm not with you anymore in body, but I'm with you in spirit. I want you to live your life knowing that I'm proud of you. You're my son, et cetera, et cetera. Great positive messages. His father looks like he's in the prime of his life instead of being the man who died of, you know, cancer. And the last sure. thing he saw was his father in a bed, you know, half his body weight and, you know, riddled with illness and stuff. So that's the difference that I found. Is, is that when dreams actually facilitate real communication with people in the afterlife, you're going to see that person in good health. They're always going to have positive messages. They're never going to be in any sort of distress. That's not what they're there to do. And you're going to be able to look them in the eyes and recognize the person. It's not a dream character in the sense of being an actor in a story. It is a real intelligence that you are connecting with, and you can look them in the eyes. You can go off script. That's another thing is dream characters are like actors who are following a script when those dream characters are just part of dramas about yourself and your life. Right. When you connect in with someone else, you can tell that it's a person. It's not a character. This includes when you have telepathic communication in dreams. I have experienced this myself. You can't convince someone who is a skeptic about this until they also experience it for themselves. So you look at them in the eyes and you can see the intelligence. You can see the other person who's there. So these are some of the ways of being able to tell um, whether a, a dream is just an internal drama 
or it is something where you are actually connecting with another person, whether that person is alive or in the afterlife. Okay. Well, you know, for people that want to explore more of their dream life and, and get into it, uh, you have this this one two three system. So I kind of want to just wanted to go through that, and you talk about that in your book, the you know dream one two three, and you talk about it on your website. And yes. what are the, the the kind of the three steps that uh, people at home can use if they want to start using dreams as a tool of self reflection and growth and stuff like that? What are those what are those three steps? Well, the first step is you have to remember your dreams, and this is difficult for most people. Around 60% of people in surveys about their dreams reported that they have little or no dream recall. So this is the first thing you really have to do, and you begin by setting the intention that you want to remember your dreams. You remember before you go to bed that you were about to dream and you want to remember them. You keep a journal by your bedside. When you wake up in the morning, then don't move. Don't think about anything else. Just get your dreams written down. If you have to use the bathroom, return to your sleep position. This is important. It's a physical cue. And really, it's just keep your mind clear. Don't start thinking about something else. Allow the dream memories to come back to you. Also realize that at first it'll be kind of in fits and starts and you might only get little fragments here and there, but eventually as you practice, you're going to get better at it, just like anything else you practice at, and you're going to be able to pull up more detail from the dreams. Now, the next step is once you remember your dreams, you need to understand them, and there is a process for that that I describe in my book, and it's mostly understand that the dreams are stories, and like any story, they have settings, they have characters, they have symbols. Even if they're not a static symbol like a limo or a cross or something, we use symbolism all the time in metaphors and figures of speech and stuff like that. Now, a dream is also a narrative, and a narrative has action, which are really – that's the verbs of the description of the dream. Sure. You were flying, driving, swimming, farting, whatever. You know, um, And then dream. they have reactions. Yeah, smelly dream. Um you react also to what happens in a dream, and that helps to determine the course of it. Like, let's say you dream about the ex, boyfriend or girlfriend or spouse, and that person suddenly appears in your dream. You know, if you react to that person very strongly, it can make the dream veer off course. If you say, I want to have nothing better to do, you know, nothing ever to do with you ever again, get out of my life, you know, right. and then the dream goes off somewhere else. But if it's like, hey, good to see you. Right. You know, like, you know, it's a completely different reaction. Or if it's like, oh, God, take me back. What did I do? Oh, God. Yes, yes. <laughs> right. But the thing to be careful of, of course, is your ex could symbolize that time of life. It could symbolize a mm -hmm. quality of the person that you also see in yourself. So there's a process you go through of kind of um, uh, making associations and winnowing down possibilities and stuff like that. Now, the final thing and what's probably most important of step two is um, you, like, you look for the resolution of the dream. And it's either found in the content or it's found in, you know, the dream poses a question. Well, okay, you need to answer it. It can either be answered in the dream or the dream is giving you the information you need to answer it for yourself. Or it's solve a problem or deal with an issue or make an advancement at work. You know, there are people like Albert Einstein had a dream and it led to the theory of relativity. But right. he thought about the dream for years you know, but on the other hand, Larry Page, the co-founder of Google, had a dream about how to search and index the internet, and he, the next morning, he had his PhD uh, research waiting for him because he woke up in the middle of the night and wrote all this stuff down. So for some people, it takes years. For some people, it 
only takes, you know, seconds to realize that the dream, there's a practical way of making it part of their daily life. And that's what I mean by step three is live your dreams. So you remember your dreams, interpret your dreams. Step three, live your dreams. Do something with the information. Take action based on the dream. Think about the dream. You know, um, don't just close the door when you wake up. Your dream life can continue. You know, dreams use your imagination to tell you the stories. The same faculties of your brain that are used for dreams are also used for imagination. The same centers or areas of the brain light up when you're dreaming or when you're really in your or you're daydreaming, you're using your imagination. So the door doesn't close. You can continue using your imagination to work with your dreams. If you had, let's say, a dream that you woke up from and it scared the crap out of right. you. Go back into the dream in your imagination and look at it and go, okay, how could I make this turn out better? How could I react differently? What could I do to change the course of this dream? You know, that instead of running from the monster, maybe you turn around and say, hey, buddy, what's your problem? Right. You know, uh, you uh, hug it. Here's one of the most effective things you can ever do. Hug your dream characters that scare you. I kid you not, man, even whether it's in the dream, if you can become conscious enough to remember to hug your dream characters and express love and kindness towards them, or whether it's when you wake up and you go, okay, I, you know, I, I was running from that guy or I stabbed him in the face or I was screaming or whatever it was, try to react a little bit differently and just embrace them. Because what are your dream characters? They are you. It's all you. Right. It's like, it's like when Luke Skywalker cuts Darth Vader's head off when he's in the cave in Dagobah. And then, you know, he looks at the face underneath the mask of Darth Vader or whatever. And it's, 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 and it's him, his baby. Face. That's right. Yes. Yes. No. And, and I love the Star Wars myth because of the way that it teaches that, you know, reacting with anger and hatred to things only feeds back into itself and it takes you over to the dark side. You know, dreams in the short term are trying to teach you. They're basically, if you look at it as a neuroscientist, you're dreams are pulling in your experiences from the day and figuring out how they fit into the larger structure of who you are already. They're fitting in what you learn and the experiences you have and the new information and knowledge that you gain, and they're fitting it into what is already there. And some of it will fit in nicely. Some of it won't fit at all. Some of it needs to wait for later. So really what you're seeing when you're having dreams is you're seeing how this is fitting together. When you have sex in a dream, it's often a metaphor for things coming together. It's your psych integrating sure. in new material. But in the long term, what your dreams are trying to do is show you that there is this larger person within you that you might not be aware of, that you you know yourself as this ego, this small circle, but you are within this much larger structure that's called the unconscious mind. And when the two of them combine together, you become whole. I think the word holy comes from this idea. Holy simply means integrated. And people who are well integrated give off a really good energy, you know? Yeah. So that's what your dreams are trying to do for you. They're trying to teach you that there is this larger person within you and your ego needs to align with that larger structure and kind of get over itself enough to be able to become this this larger person that you can be. They're helping you to achieve your potential. And in the end, you have something that's called a wedding of the soul. What Carl Jung and the mystics and alchemists and people like that talk about turning lead into gold, right. what that really means is turn the ordinary substance of a human being and make something really special out of it. 
And your dreams are the guide for you to be able to do that. So it's a really awesome, mystical, powerful, spiritual thing. But all you need to do is follow the steps day by day to help you to get there. You don't, you know, don't make it too complicated. Just day by day, follow your dreams and you will eventually lead to that place where you want to be. Well, th- well that's right. And, and I think that's a perfect way to uh, end this interview because uh, you really sold me on the benefits of using your dreams and interpreting them and using them as a guidepost in your own life to make it better. So if people want to learn more about that Dream 123 system and those steps and get in touch with you, where is the best place to find you? Well, dreams123.net is my blog. I have a lot of content there. It's been up for a long time. Um, they can go to dreams.reddit.com. I'm known as Radow there. Um, I'm one of the moderators. Um, and those are really the two best sources. Or if you're on Facebook, uh, I my uh, page is called Interpret Dreams. So facebook.com slash interpret dreams. Uh, and they can find me there. Um, if you're on Twitter, go to Reddit Dreams, uh, R-E-D-D-I-T Dreams, one word, and you can see a collection of the most fascinating discussions and dreams that I run across at Reddit. Um, so yeah, begin at my blog, dreams123.net, find me on Facebook, visit me at Reddit, um, and uh, my book is Dreams123, Remember, Interpret, and Live Your Dreams. Um, it's out, at, uh, it's still on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, places like that. And then I have the big book of dream interpretation is coming in June this year. So Fantastic. Othersidepodcast.com slash 129. Uh, you can go there and you can find all the links to Rad Owl, uh, JM DeBort. Thank you very much for joining us today. I think this is really valuable for our members. And one of these days we'll get everybody's weirdest dreams and we'll collect them and then we'll come to you for some interpretation. Oh, we'll have fun with that. Definitely. Sounds good. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Well, I didn't get to use the word rad owl very much, but I certainly enjoyed my interview with uh, Jam DeBoard. Yeah, it was pretty rad. (laughs) Hey, there you go. All right. So, you know, we were talking about different kinds of dreams that people have and also how to interpret them. And like when you look at dreams in an artistic way. And so we thought for the song this week, we would use a song that was inspired by a dream years ago. Now, Wendy, you ever have a dream about Ryan Reynolds? Gosh, you know, I don't know. I can't recall at the moment. It's possible. I have. <laughs> I've had a dream about Ryan. And this even before. This is maybe before he was in the superhero movies and stuff like that. I had a, some reason I had a dream about Ryan Reynolds, and we were fighting vampires, probably because he was in Blade Three. Okay, sure. But this was still this. This song was written a couple of years after Blade Three, so I don't know why I was even thinking about it or why he was there. But Ryan Reynolds and I had to like protect a bunch of people from samurai vampires. That's exciting. So they, yeah, so they were scarier than regular vampires because, like, they had that sore, like the katanas and the blades and everything. They were popping up under, out of the ground, and they just were a lot tougher than regular vampires because okay. they were samurai. So they had a special code wow. and stuff. Scary. And they were sent on a mission that we had to protect these people. And when I woke up that morning, I thought, you know, I've never even thought of samurai vampires before, but that would make a cool song title. It sure would. Yeah. And, and it did. And so when I was try- <laughs> Yeah, and it did. And when I was trying to get in the meaning behind these dreams, like I had, I had no idea. I just think I wanted to have an adventure dream. Ryan Reynolds seemed like a good partner. Like he'd crack some jokes while we were fighting off the oh, samurai yeah. vampires. The samurai vampires seemed like a really tough enemy. Yeah. And uh, it just, I, we thought it would make it for an interesting song. So we took that uh, demo that uh, I had recorded right after I woke up from that dream years ago, and we revved it up and brought it into the current era. And here's a little sunspot with Samurai Vampire. Noble of purpose, 
Righteous undead Go forth and campaign From their dirt bed Transcend the wooden overcoat Whisking lukewarm Called by a master listening to today's episode you can find us online at othersidepodcast.com until next time see you on the other side oh my god what (gasps) well you know we got something special and we're so excited for everybody who's on the sunspot music see you on the other side (laughs) patreon (gasps) yeah we're gonna hang out with you for the first hangout and we're gonna do this on Tuesday, February 7th at 7 p.m. Central Time. Wendy, are you ready to hang? Oh, I can't wait. It's yes. going to be so much fun, and we're going to actually just get to hang out. I mean, over the internet, but yes. with people in all different states and all of our, our favorite, favorite Patreon people. And we've done some Google Hangouts before, but this is the first one with the Patreon community, and we're excited to hear about your dreams, to talk. Maybe we can help you interpret your dreams. Uh, maybe we can use some of that <laughs> Our unqualified... <laughs> Opinions. Yes, some of that knowledge that we gleaned from Jam the Board, a.k.a. Red Owl, on ways that we can help you interpret your dreams. But we love talking about paranormal stuff, a paranormal Patreon hangout with you guys, and that's going to be next Tuesday. If you are interested in becoming a Sunspot, see you on the other side. Patreon, it's real easy to do. Check it out at othersidepodcast.com slash donate, and that's where you can find that information yeah. and how you can join these kind of cool things. And a special shout out to our buddy Ned. Ned. That's right. 
Ned, thanks for uh, donating at the level where we give you a special shout out every week. Thanks, Ned. And we'll see you, everybody, on the Hangout. Oh my God, dad married Maud.